From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. There was a time when we trusted the media to dig for facts and deliver the news as clearly and honestly as they could, a time when journalistic ethics meant something. But today we live in a vicious, never-ending news cycle, driven by deadlines and dollars. We don't know who to trust as we swim in a sea of fake news, agenda-driven stories, and outright lies, especially when it comes to guns and gun rights. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Rob Morse, author of the Slow Facts blog, host of the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast, and who writes the Armed Citizens column for Ammo Land. Hi, Rob. Welcome to Keep and Bear Radio. Hey, Dean. Rob, uh, we both have an interest in the media Mine goes back to the Jurassic Age when I worked in radio and TV, and I've really seen the, the media devolve. I mean, I, w- I would say that in the old days, it was what I would call an imperfect but relatively tame source of information, and today it's more like a swamp of half-truths and brazen lies. Um, it's, it's really disappointing. What's your take on the whole media situation today? No one knew what would happen when we got 100 channels on the TV rather than three. When we got smartphones, we thought we'd have the world's information in our hand. What we got was the world's propaganda, and we didn't know how to grade it. Uh, We're involved in a great social experiment, and the outcome isn't clear yet. Yeah, I mean, I I remember the days when literally your news consumption might be a morning newspaper at breakfast— and maybe in the evening after dinner, a 30-minute newscast, and that's it. You didn't do anything else for, you know, 24 hours or until the next morning. It just didn't, it just wasn't a big part of our lives. Today, you can't escape it. You know, I'm lying in bed and my phone is beep, beep, beep with all these news stories coming up, most of which are designed just to spin me up, not to inform me. There's just so much fake news out there. And... Well, um, Dean, I think it's more than just fake, because let's face it, the media has to sell outrage or we wouldn't tolerate 20 minutes of commercials an hour. Yeah, I mean, all it's, it's all about the dollars. And actually, my viewpoint is a little different than some people's. I don't blame a lot of the individuals involved. I think it's the industry where it is so competitive. I mean, you're, if you have... A blog or a Twitter account, you're competing literally with the rest of the world, with right. billions of other people. And how do you break through that? Well, you'd be as outrageous as possible. Lies right. travel faster than truth. And it's just really unfortunate. I love the internet, but I hate the internet. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and then that's just where, where we are. And when it comes to guns and gun rights, Rob, this is a real problem because it affects policy. And let me just talk about one of these lies. I would call this the language lie. And, and we've seen this happen for a long time on the, on the issue of guns. 
do you remember when Glocks first came out? I think the, the G17 was the first gun that came out. And all the news stories were about plastic guns. Because the Glocks, there's no metal. It's all plastic. They can slip through metal detectors, right? right. And, and oh, my God, oh, my goodness, we're going to have terrorists sneaking onto planes. You, you see terms like gun safety, when what they really mean is gun control, or silencer, making you think that you can screw one of these on a gun and you can't hear it when actually it's a suppressor. Right. Right? It's a muffler. And and one of the worst, and, and you see this everywhere, is the, the term assault rifle or assault okay. weapon. Yeah. Right? And, and and we've seen this since the 80s. The, the media takes this lie, they repeat it, they amplify it. And there was a guy, I mean, and this is not just by accident. There was a guy, his name was Josh Sugarman. He's still out there somewhere. He was the founder of a gun control group called Violence Policy Center. They, they're they not as big as some of the others right now, but, but they're still out there, I think. And he wrote a report in 1988 called Assault Weapons and Accessories in America. And I just want to read some excerpts from this because he understood that language is a weapon. Mm-hmm. So he observed in this report, and you can look this up, it's available on, on Amazon, Assault Weapons and Accessories in America. And he said, and, and these are some quotes here, the weapons menacing looks coupled with the public's confusion over fully automatic machine guns versus semi-automatic assault weapons, anything that looks like a machine gun is assumed to be a machine gun, can only increase the chance of public support for restrictions on these weapons. Now, that is so incredibly cynical because Sugarman is famous for supporting a 100% ban on handguns. He wants all handguns banned, and he knows that that's what's used in in most murders. But he also knows that it's going to be really hard to ban handguns. Why? Because they're really, really popular. So... Why not go after assault weapons instead? And the tactic worked. 1994, Congress passed the assault weapon ban. And, you know, the, the tactic worked, but the ban didn't, of course, because the National Institute of Justice came out with a report that said, essentially, that this had no measurable effect whatsoever. It's the language lie. Assault weapon is a lie. Well, and, and Dean, I, I want to correct you or, or at least argue a point with you. You're saying he did it knowing it was inaccurate. I don't think he cared whether it was accurate or not. He obfuscated because he thought it would work. That's my argument. That he, that I, But I, he knows the stats. I mean, he can look at the FBI reports just like the rest of us can. I've got data from 2019. He's not unaware of that. But, but he's, you know, my background is marketing. I spent about a quarter century in marketing. Uh, and trust me, I was paid very well, and I agonized over every word, every comma. You know where to where to divide paragraphs, what size the type needs to be. It's all on purpose, <laughs> you know. So this guy knows what he's doing. It's it is a tactic. It's a marketing tactic, a sales right. tactic. Yeah. Well, it's we're in the business of selling ideas. I agree, and I bumped into my own independent study group, let's say, I met a bunch of lawyers in Washington, D.C., and they asked me about mass murder and assault weapons. And I 
you know, rather than just hand them some numbers, short conversation, um, these guys were so smart. I just said, well, what do you think the answers are? And all of a sudden they got very careful because these are people, appellate lawyers in Washington, D.C., they know that words matter. And they hemmed and they hawed and they go, well, uh, how many people are killed in assault, you know, mass murder a year? They were wildly, they wildly overestimated the number. You know, they were guessing 500, 1,000, the number's in the 30s. Good years and bad years. I wish it were smaller, of course. And then I asked them, well, how often do you think we use a firearm to defend ourselves? And they didn't have that statistic at all, but they did know how many people died with a handgun, and they assumed that was about the same number. And that's about 40,000. Well, when you add up the fact that they overestimated mass murder and they underestimated wildly self-defense, they were literally off by a factor of a thousand. So the cost to benefit ratio, if you will, that they, they could not make an informed judgment. And I said, where'd you get your information? Of course they go from the news media. So you're right, Dean, this is a sales job. This is a marketing job. And the smartest people that we know, the people who learn the fastest in our entire society. I would submit, these, if, if these lawyers aren't it, they're really close. They, they didn't have it right, and they knew they didn't have it right. They don't trust our media today. Well, Rob, that's an interesting point. And I want to I point out that when I talk to people about marketing, a lot of people think, well, it's the stupid people who are the most vulnerable. I, oh. I, dis, I disagree. Because I did marketing very targeted. It was direct marketing, actually. So there was always a very specific target market for everything that I did. And I can tell you that smart people, people who think they are smart, are much easier targets than the general population because they, they don't know when they don't know something. Right. They think if they're smart about one thing, they're smart about everything else. And, well, and they're very easy to convince. To their credit, these smart lawyers were going, man, we haven't studied this. We're just giving you what the media tells us. So they knew they were wrong, and I explained it to us. And then I got, what unfortunately I asked them next was, well, how many times do you think we stop mass murder? You know, just your neighbor who's a gun owner. And then dessert came, so we never got to have that conversation. <laughs> well, it's... That's what I call the, the, the language line. You've got to really be careful about that. You know, watch the words, watch the phrases, watch what people don't say, what information, what, you know, what context is missing. Mm-hmm. And that, that, is a, that is a very effective lie. Rob, Rob do you have um, another one you can share with us? Well, I, I think it's it just an adjunct to what you just mentioned. I cover self-defense. I, I write about it all the time. For a very deliberate reason, I want to record that it happens and the media lies to us and they lie to us about who we are and what we do as gun owners. They would have you think that gun owners are a bunch of racist old white men. The fastest growing segment of gun owners in the last year, year and a half, two years, are minority women. Minorities are making up about half of new gun owners, which is wonderful. They, they want, the media is trying to portray armed America as being reluctant to embrace new people when instead we're all, come on in, 
let's get trained, do this right. Glad you're on our side. How can we help? And I think that is very deliberate, Dean. There's something called uh, a preference cascade. You and I get an idea that self-defense, wow, from what I see in the news, that might sound like a good idea, but I'd hate to be first. I don't know if it can really be done. I don't know if people like me do it. And all of a sudden, if you see who people like you, your neighbors who are, oh, yeah, my, my son's going and taking a firearms class. This is who he took it from. Have you taken one yet? All of a sudden, you're thinking changes where it was, you know, I kind of like to do this, but I don't know how to, oh, it's common. My neighbors are doing it. I should too. And, and Rob, that's, and Rob, that's what that's you don't. your marketing, isn't it? Right. And, and it's, it's also the negative of that as well. It's what you don't hmm. see. I'm, I'm always commenting that, you know, we get this, these little neighborhood newspapers where I live and I'm in a suburb. And so, you know, I'll open up this little neighborhood newspaper and I'll, I'll know what the local soccer team is doing. I'll, I'll know what the local golf team is doing. I'll know, you know, if there's a knitting club or a yoga class <laughs> or whatever it is. But what do I not see? I don't see anything about skeet shooting. I don't see anything about self-defense classes. I don't see anything about three-gun competition or bullseye or anything else. You look at the stats for how popular shooting sports are. There are more people in shooting sports than play golf, but you would never know it right. by looking in the media because they don't report on it. It's, it's as if it doesn't exist. And I remember when I started out in bullseye, how difficult it was to find information because I had no idea what the terminology was, who was involved, where to look. I didn't grow up in a gun family. So it was almost like, you know, that there was a silo somewhere with all the gun guys in it, and I didn't know where it was or how to get in. Well, why do you, I have a suspicion why that is, Dean. Can, can we talk about it? Sure. I'd love to hear your take. The media would never, the, the media elites would never carry to protect themselves. That's what the armed guard at the gated community is for. That's their solution. The fact that most of us don't live in gated communities or, or guarded high rise. Well, if you, if you wanted to defend yourself, you would live in those places. No, for most of us, it's, you know, bring your own. So they're telling us about their choices and since they've chosen not to do it, they don't think anyone else should either. You think that's accurate or am I being too kind? It's I, I think I think it's just generally another example of you don't know what you don't know. Huh. If, okay. if you have no experience, you know, with, with carrying a gun or no one in your family does it, um, you know, and a lot of what happens in the media filters down from the elites in large urban centers, which tend to be blue, which tend to lean left. Uh, but but I'll tell you, it's it's not everybody. When I'm interviewed on TV, I don't know what the journalist is thinking, but that camera guy, I'll talk to the camera guy, nine times out of ten, that's a gun guy. Interesting. So, so there, you know, there, there's a journalist who may or may not be friendly, and, and most of them on the local level aren't really that bad, but the, the camera guy, nine times out of ten, there'll be a gun guy and I'll be talking about gun rights and I'll see him standing behind the camera, nodding his head, agreeing with me. You know, he won't say anything because that's, that's not his job, but it kind of depends on, again, what silo are you in? 
what what group do you hang out with? We we all have our own reality based on the people we hang out with. And we shouldn't judge the whole world by our own silo. And if the media were doing its job, we'd have at least common facts, if not uh, shared opinions. We'd know that out of the, what, 40,000 uh, deaths with a firearm each year, we'd know that 24,000, 60% are suicides, not homicides or murders. And we'd know that of the, what, 15,000 they are there, most of those are drug gang related, that uh, half of our murders happen in 2% of our counties because that's where the drug gangs are, are going on, uh, having war with each other. We could at least understand what the problems are because until we've got some facts on board, so many of these so-called solutions are doomed to failure. Well, that dovetails really well into my next lie because huh. it deals with mass murder. And I'm, I'm going to call this the hyper-focus lie yes. uh, because it's all about when you hyper-focus on something, you tend not to see anything else. Mass murders are, are one of these hyper-focus type lies. Not, not the only one by any means. Mass murder is incredibly rare. In fact... According to the stats that I have, mass murders are responsible for less than 0.5% of all homicides. But when there's, a, when there's a mass murder of any kind, or even just a mass shooting, you can have somebody shoot off 10 rounds, nobody dies, but it still gets reported nationally. It becomes a wall-to-wall news coverage, and because they hyper-focus on that, give you no context, and don't talk about you know any of these other silos that we're talking about, it has really far-reaching impacts on our perception of reality and just people's anxiety level, your mental health, public policy. Public policy is based on these kind of perceptions. This leads people to believe mass murders are growing exponentially, but they're not. The definitions of mass murder keep changing, but there's no good evidence that anything is increasing other than the media coverage. In other words, it just goes back to the old, if it bleeds, it leads. It's just like, you know, times a thousand these days. Yep. Yep. That makes so much sense. And it's, I think it is a distraction, Dean. If, if we had common facts to share, we'd know that there were 10 times more murders in New York last year than there were mass murders. You know, well, similar for Chicago, Baltimore, St. Louis, Los Angeles. And we'd go, wow, we don't have a mass murder problem. We have a failed big city problem. Could that be, could this be a distraction that they need somebody to blame? Oh, it's those crazy gun guys. Oh, it's all mass murder. No, it's drug gangs tearing up our inner cities. And, and those stories tend to be covered locally, but gotcha. not nationally. You could have 20, 30 people killed in Chicago this coming weekend, but you have one nutbag at a mall and he shoots three people and maybe none of them die. But now that's, that's a mass shooting. It becomes national news, international news, and that's all that people are talking about. Right. And it's, it's, it's really crazy. And it's not just guns. I mean, you have today, and I, I don't want to get off on another topic here, but, you know, the, the, one of these stories, and it's all often about storylines because the media love to follow storylines and they fit facts to the story rather than let facts 
shape the story. And I'll give you another big example that, you know, that is huge right now. They're calling it the epidemic of racist police killings. This is the storyline. Oh, and and yes. they and they will select stories that fit that storyline. It's got to be a white cop and it's got to be a black victim. And there was a study done recently and they surveyed liberals and conservatives to see what they think about this topic. Nearly half of the liberals they surveyed, about 44%, thought that in 2019, anywhere from 1,000 to 10,000 unarmed black men were killed in that year. About 20% of conservatives thought the same thing. But here's, here's the reality. There's a database called the Mapping Police Violence Database, and the actual number of black men killed by the police in 2019, 27. So the perception for any given individual could be anywhere up to 10,000, and the reality is 27. And that's that's just this hyper-focus, this hyper-focus lie. You cover these things wall to wall. And, you know, and you keep covering it until the next story comes along, but you provide no context. You right. just follow the storyline, fit the facts to the story, rather than let the facts shape the story. Dean, there's something, I don't know whether it's intentional or not, it's certainly tragic and pernicious. We've seen undue coverage of mass murder lead to something that didn't exist before. There were 80 attempted copycat murders like the mass murder at the Columbine at the high school in Columbine, Colorado. These kids said, hey, I want the multi-million dollar publicity campaign that the media gave to the last mass murderer. And we've had to coin a new technical term to describe this media phenomenon. It's called celebrity murder suicide. We saw similar things in teen suicide. And it started in Canada. The, the solution started in Canada. They said, okay, don't mention the young man or woman's name. And suddenly, the number of copycat suicides dropped. We don't do that with our mass murders. We promote them. I mean, and they go, people will know my name if I commit this atrocity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I Rob, I advocate... You know, don't make killers famous. Right. Just that. And, and I've actually contemplated this idea of going around to media, you know, at least in central Ohio. This would be really difficult to do it, you know, statewide or nationwide, but and just sit down and talk with them. Look, when, when something like this happens, don't make them famous. Report on the story, but don't mention their name. Don't show their face. Do not give them the fame they want. And then and there's a precedent you know, the media knows very well how not to report an, a name or a face when it involves other things, like like rape, for example, or, or other stories. They know how to do this. They just don't want to. They, they want to show that usually it's, it's a man, a young man. They want to show them. They want to give their name. Right. Well, and hopefully, if we lay that groundwork, then right after the next inevitable mass murder— They'll call you up and you'll explain why it's a terrible idea to mention the murderer's name. We're trolling for sharks. We shouldn't do it. Yeah. And, and it's just all part of this. And it sounds like I'm really negative on media people. I know a lot of people in the media. I, I just, I don't know that it's an individual thing. I think 
my theory is that it's the, the media is set up on a corporate level to feed off of this stuff, and that's how they right. make their profit. They, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. Or maybe today it's, you know, if it enrages, it engages. I don't know. It's, you know, they, they want people spun up. They want you afraid. They want you angry because there's this new term. We're throwing around a lot of terms here called doom scrolling. And people kind of get hooked on, you know, scrolling on their phone or their, you know, their iPad, you know, looking for bad news because they're afraid that they're going to miss something. Gotcha. And, and, and it captures eyeballs, and that's where the, the ad revenue comes from. End of the world. Click here. It's clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So, Rob, maybe the bottom line is just don't believe anything that you see in the media. Do your own research. Don't, don't be gullible. Is, um, is, that, is that the takeaway here? Believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. You, we're being fed part of the truth. The great news is we can find the rest of the truth but the media won't bring it to us. We have to go dig it out ourselves. Yeah, it's a it's a needle in a haystack, and the haystack just keeps getting bigger. That's that's the problem. There's just so yeah, but much. This cell phone in my hand, Dean. It's in there. Yeah, we, we got. You're right. Yep. Well, Rob, before we go, I just want to plug your blog, Slow Facts. I, I, honestly, I think it's one of the most thoughtful blogs anywhere on the internet. You don't just cover stories; you really think about them and dig into the topics. And for our listeners, if you're interested in self-defense stories, check out the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Rob, how often does that come out? Is that once a week or? That's once a week. Once yeah, a week. I, I try and keep it short, 15 to 20 minutes. Just uh, load us into your pocket. Yeah, an excellent podcast and an excellent blog. Slow, slow facts to try it out. It's not just gun stuff. You cover other topics, but it's really thoughtful. And I know that when I read articles there, it, get, it certainly gets me thinking. That's a very high compliment. Thank you, Dean. Rob, thanks for being on our podcast. I hope you can join us again sometime. My pleasure. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code podcast. To get $10 off your membership, that's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.